All right. Good morning, 11 a.m. Way better than 9 a.m. as usual. <laughs> if they're watching, so sorry. Uh, goodness. Uh, my name is Michael Fueling. I'm the lead pastor here. I have the uh, privilege to open up God's word with you. Open up your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be there um, this morning. And uh, in a few minutes, we'll get there. But um, a couple things for you. You may have noticed when you walk through the doors, there are magnets um, on some of your seats. Um, those are our gift to you. Um, those are from last week's um, message, our big ask of last week. Would you, would you spend the month of January sincerely, daily praying? Would you pray for our leaders? Um, would you pray for the vision that we've put before the Lord? Would you pray for your own heart and your family? Um, would you pray for the ministries of our church? Um, would you pray for um, the community and the city that we have the privilege to serve? So that was our ask of you. And so those are magnets. You can put them on your fridge. You can put them on the mirror. You can take as many as you want. Take like 10 and put it like in all your kids' rooms and cars and everything. Uh, but we just want to give you an opportunity just to remind you, we we desperately, um, desperately need your prayer. Uh, we are one body through the village church here in this local community, um, and we want to come together and make sure that we are just going before the Lord with this stuff. So this is the second week of a four-week series called together. Good job. And uh, we um, are trying with the best of our ability to move into 2020 unified on the same page. Let me just share with you the big uh, goal of this series. The goal is simply this, to walk into 2020 together, put it on the screen if you would, in unity, a vision, unity, and love. And so there's a, a couple things that we're going to do in each one of these sermons. The first thing we're going to do is unpack one of the major metaphors that the Bible uses for the local church. So last week we saw the family of God, and this week and next week we're going to dig into the body of Christ. And then in the following week we're going to look at what it means to be the bride of Christ. And so these are metaphors used to describe the local church. We're going to unpack these a little bit. Number two, what we're going to do is ask you to self-evaluate. So what that means is um, every one of these messages, I want to come to you and I want to ask you, is your head and your heart and your life aligned with the values of Jesus, particularly as it pertains to the local church? And then finally, what we're going to do is each week, we're going to make one big ask of you, the body. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you for money this week, but uh, maybe next week. Just kidding, not even next week. We're not going to ask your money yet. Um, But what we are going to do is ask you to make some big decisions. And we want to make sure that we're making decisions that bring us together as we move into 2020. I shared with you last week that 2019 was hands down the most transformative year in Village Church's 48-year history. And I guarantee you, uh, 2020 will be even more transformational. And so what we need to make sure is that as we walk into this new year, we are together. And so last week we asked you to pray. And what I also asked you to do was to prioritize being in church every week throughout the month of January. We have a handful of things that we really want to make sure we're all here together to hear about, um, or especially over the upcoming weeks. And so if you can't make it, I understand life and sickness, etc. You can always watch our live stream or you can download the podcast. But our just ask of you is that you would prioritize um, being here if at all possible. All right, I want to ask you a question uh, to jump things off. Here's the question. How does God feel, think, and behave toward the local church? How does God feel, think, and behave toward the local church? And if you take the word local church out, you fill it in with anything, right? How does God think, feel, and behave towards the family unit, towards, I mean, whatever. Whatever you fill in the blank with, here's what you want to know. I want to think the thoughts that Jesus thinks towards that thing. 
I want to feel the kind of feelings that Jesus feels towards those things. And I want to live my life in a way that if Jesus were here now, he would live his life with that very posture to those things. Which is why as we look at the local church, um, this is a very sensitive subject for many people. I completely understand that. And so what I want to ask you to do in this series is to self-evaluate and to ask yourself, is my head and my heart and my hands, my life, are they in a line with God's head and his heart and what he would want for us to do? Um, so what we've seen is that there are three primary metaphors that the Bible uses to describe the local church. And he does not use metaphors like the forest of God or the garden of God. He actually uses very, very intimate metaphors, and they are as follows. We ha- saw last week the family of God. This week and next week, the body of Christ. And then the following week is going to be the bride of Christ. So why these metaphors? Like, why these things? And I'll share with you why I think this is. Each one of these are some of the most emotional and personal human experiences. Like, there is nothing that people get more fired up about than my family, my body, and my bride. You, you want to show me somebody gets emotional? These three things will push somebody from normality to passion in just a moment. And so these metaphors, actually the reason that God chose these, I think, is to show every single one of us in this room that God is not neutral or ambivalent to the concept of the local church, but this is something that is deeply, profoundly personal to God. And so these, these metaphors communicate minimally this. Number one, God's passion That God has literally given the blood of his only firstborn, only son to cover the sins of anybody who would become a part of this local church. God has given his Holy Spirit to fill and indwell every single person who places their faith in Jesus Christ. God has given the first and the best of his best resources to make sure that not just the global church, but the local church is fully and completely resourced. He is fully present and he is incredibly passionate about the local church church. And the question for you is, do I have a passion for the local church? Number two, God's affection. God doesn't just like do sacrificial things for the local church, but God's heart, his affection is for the local church. It's, it's interesting when you go back to the Old Testament and you see some of the ways that the Old Testament describes God's heart for his people. Uh, one of them is that he sings over his people. It's like this picture of a mom or a dad late at night singing love and songs over the children which they so adore and want to protect and care for. Like if you take the amount of affection that you have for your children on a good day and you times that by a hundred, okay, you might begin to start tapping into the level of affection that God has not just for the individuals but for the local church. It's a precious thing to him. Uh, Number three is God's devotion. Like there is no length to which God himself will not go to support the local church. Jesus himself says, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What I love even about the metaphor is that the church isn't passive. The church is actually active onslaughting the gates of hell. And he's not just resourcing us to protect us. He's resourcing us to go on the offensive because the local church has a mission, which is to break down the gates of hell and to save people in the name of Jesus Christ with the power of the gospel and to help people become more like Jesus Christ. He is devoted to us individually, locally as a church, and the mission that he gives our local church. Togetherness, the Father and the Son and the Spirit, they are unified in their commitment to the local church. 
Like this is not just some like thing we say to manipulate and control the masses. You open up the scriptures and he is writing to and speaking to and encouraging every local church. He is just so passionate about it. But they are together. We are for a local church. And it's not just the village church. Wherever a true local church stands, there are great, incredible churches all around us. And Jesus loves them as much as he loves village church. Like we're not in competition with these other churches. Now can you give me an amen on that one, right? This is not about building the village church empire, but this is about releasing the people of God to build the kingdom of God for the sake of Jesus Christ. Now, I just want to take these concepts in village church. I want to share this with you. God's heart for you and your local church is passion, affection, devotion, and togetherness. Self-evaluation time. How's your heart? So some of you, you might, be, you might be an elder, you might be on staff, you might be a community group leader, ministry director. Just because you have a position does not mean your heart is in line with God's heart. I want to just ask you like, to self-reflect, right? Because I understand in this room there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of frustration, there's a lot of hurt. There's also a lot of things just going on. And so for some of you, you're like, I used to feel this way, and I don't know if I have this like, posture anymore to the local church. And I, I don't show this to you, and I need you to hear me, to condemn you in any way, shape, or form. You are where you are. My concern is with what is your next step. That's my biggest concern. I know there's so much regret in this room as it pertains to your relationship with the local church. I have a lot of it myself. But my concern right now is not to ha- cast or heap shame upon you, but let's figure out what does this really look like moving into the future. So here's what I, I know that I know from God's word. Um, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've struggled with, um, God himself is 100% committed to helping you take a next step toward the local church. I don't know which one that is. Some of you are visiting. Some of you are checking this out. Some of you are with friends and family. Uh, go home to your local church and wherever you are, apply these things in that community. Okay, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Uh, the body of Christ is going to be uh, referenced here. And in the body of Christ, here's what we have. First of all, Jesus Christ is the head. He is command and control. He is our leader. Uh, he is, his opinion is the most important opinion. So if you have been um, around me or prayed with me in groups, particularly over the last two years, um, you probably heard me say something like this because I've been praying kind of the same prayer over and over again for a long, I think like two years now. Um, God, we want what you want. We want your will and your way and your timing. You're the leader. God, uh, my tendency is to get in front of you. Rein me in. God, sometimes I'm too slow. Kick me in the rear and speed me up. I want what you want. I want your future. I believe you have a personal vision for every local church. You have things you want them to do. There are aspects of the kingdom of darkness that you want them to onslaught. There are different gates you want different churches to go after. Lord, whatever your vision is for this church, that's what we want. Would you just rein us in? Would you get rid of all of our lofty ambitions that are not your ideas? Would you get rid of our too small of ideas that don't really push into what you've designed this community and this place for? God, we want what you want because you are the leader. You're it. You're it. It's not a person. It's not about my empire or the village church's empire. It's about Jesus's kingdom and Jesus as the head. And then we have the Holy Spirit who is like the ligaments and the muscles and holds everything together. And in the body, this is so essential because if you just have a head with no ligaments and muscles, what happens? Nothing good and productive, that's for sure. And then we, we are the members, the followers of Christ. We're the body parts. And so when you read in scripture, you will find 
especially all through Paul's writings, he uses the word members. And most people um, think that it's talking about church membership because that's kind of the way we use um, the word. What he's actually referring to here is literally a body part. And every local church represents the body of Christ. And in that local church, every single person is a different body part or member. Now, I don't know if I really want to be an ear or a nose or like a thumbnail or something, but like um, every one of us have a different role and responsibility. But here's what I do know. When one body part is missing, everything is infinitely more difficult, isn't it? And so we, we want to make sure is that every body part in the body is working well. So uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, I'm going to make four observations from this text, and here's the first observation. The physical and spiritual body were designed for work. Some of you are like, work? What? It's actually a really good word in the Bible. It's not a bad word. Even though some of you hate your jobs, this is supposed to be a good word. Verse 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers, the leaders of the church to equip the saints for the, say it with me, work. It's a specific kind of work. It's the work of ministry. Why? For building up the body of Christ and specifically referencing your specific local body. Now, when you don't use your muscles, what happens? Atrophy. So, funny story about atrophy. Um, my kids uh, got Heelys. Do you guys know what Heelys are? If you don't, they're those shoes that have wheels. So when you see like people like like they're not walking but they're rolling and they're not like levitating. They're actually they're Heelys, okay, or some version of that. So they got them for Christmas, and then uh, the day they got them, they they rode those Heelys for hours. And I was warning them. I said, "You're gonna hurt tomorrow." Slow it down. You don't need to go all in, right? You've got the rest of your life. I'm fine, I'm fine. I'm invincible. I'm amazing. I'm a child. There's nothing that can hurt me or stop me from anything, right? The end of first night, by the way, my son like had this blister that was so epic. It like his toe, I, it was, it's still like, I looked at it the other night. I'm like, was that your blister? And he's like, yeah, it was big. I'm like, geez, kid, that's bad. Okay, now, next day, they wake up. How oh, it hurts so bad. And I'm like, right. All of those are muscles you never used before. You remember when you like rollerbladed for the first time or, or roller skated for the first time and you got done and you're like, I didn't even know I had muscles in those spots. Like that's what my kids were experiencing. Now here's kind of the rule of work. Okay. Whether you're working out your muscles or you're working out in ministry or you have a job, work is always hard at first. Like for some of you, you were thinking, work, oh no, this is, uh, where am I going to find the time? What am I going to get rid of? Like for some of you to embrace the point of this message, there is going to be some pain. Um, but once you get through the pain, you'll get into a new normal, and then you can actually enjoy the work. So I, I fully, I just want to concede that for some of you, what I'm going to suggest from the Word of God um, this morning, uh, some of you, it's going to petrify you, and it's actually going to cause a little bit of pain. But I, gosh, you've heard me say this a billion times, Village Church, the greatest things in life take hard work and a lot of pain to get there. Like if, you're, if you have an incredible marriage, was it easy? No. And if, you, if your marriage is easy, well, we all don't like you, right? I know. Jonathan's like... <laughs> oh, there's, 
so many jokes I want to make, but I love you both, and I'm just going to leave. But hey, he's honest, right? Marriage isn't easy. And if you have an incredible marriage, it was work, 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 work. If you've got a PhD or a doctorate after your name, that did not come easy. That was an incredible amount of work. If your body is shredded, right, that was not, that was like incredible amount of work, right? Like this body, it took a lot of work. I mean, I had to eat, <laughs> I had to eat a lot. <laughs> I had to eat a lot to get here. But here's the point. Like, don't be afraid of the work. Don't be afraid of the pain that can come with the work. You were designed to do this, and we have experienced atrophy from unuse. And so I get it. There are things that have to give, and there's going to be a learning curve, and there's going to be some pain in the process. You're going to make some mistakes. You're going to figure out how to balance your life and ministry and children and family and marriage and all that. I get it. But I'm telling you, the body, the physical body, and the spiritual body were designed by God for work. The physical body for physical work and the spiritual body for spiritual work. This is what we are called to do. Now, I want to share with you a little bit of insight about Village Church. Um, Have you guys heard of the 80-20 rule? Do you guys know that? Here's the 80-20 rule. It typically goes like this. In any given church, 80% of the church does little to no work. 20% of the church does the vast majority of the work. That's the 80-20 rule. In the 80-20 rule, the 20% is typically represented by a few groups of people. So number one would be non-Christians. These would be people who you wouldn't expect to work because they're searching or they are dragged here by their family uh, or whatever reason they are here. Uh, The second category would be, we just call them baby Christians. Like maybe they're not trained. Maybe they're brand new to the faith. Maybe they're being mentored and they just don't know what that next step is. But in any community, there's going to be people who honestly just, they they are not ready yet. They're getting ready, uh, but they're still baby Christians. And then finally, number three is the overwhelmed. Um, This is a group of people that may be incredibly mature, but because of life circumstances, maybe you're caring for somebody who's unable to physically care for themselves. Maybe your um, parents or grandparents or great-grandparents are living in your home. Maybe your son or daughter has a physical disability that you're working with, and like life can just throw stuff at you. Your marriage might have fallen apart. You might be a single parent. I mean, I could just go down the line with all the reasons why somebody may need to just pull out for a little while, be protected by the body of Christ, and go into a season of being served rather than being the ones in the work of ministry primarily. And so when I look at the 20%, a lot of people use this as like a condemning kind of phrase. Um, I actually think in a healthy, um, semi-growing church that this is a problem. I think it's a problem because the 20% isn't high enough. Let me share with you what I think a healthier range might be here. I think a healthier range would actually be 50-50-70-30. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Village Church, and I'll tell you about why I think this is a healthier range. Um, Historically, Village Church, this is year 48 for us as a church, and Village Church has typically historically been an 80-20-70-30 church inverted, meaning 70 to 80% of the people have been actively involved, engaged, serving, and ministering. And 20% have been on the fringes, baby Christians, overwhelmed, or non-Christians. For the vast majority of our history, we have been an inverted 80, 20, 70, 30 church. Um, If you follow our weekly newsletter, Nikki Jones, who's our Connections Director, um, released a video this week on the newsletter, and she shared a little bit about the last year at Village Church. Two stats actually are are pretty um, striking. The first stat is is last year we received 249 I'm new cards, and those are just the cards of people who turn them in, and that doesn't include our digital on new cards. 
Okay. Um, and behind every one of those cards is two, four, five, six people, family units, generally speaking. And that's a lot of humans in one year. That's just 2019. And so from 2018 to 2019, Village Church grew by 31%. Now that's not uncommon, but that is higher than it usually has been. Um, for the last 10 years, the lowest growth rate we've had has been 19%. So every year, year in, year out has been a transformational experience at the Village Church. Now, what we have watched happen in the last year is that our, we went from maybe 70-30 to 50-50 or maybe even less. The 50-50 doesn't alarm me. It doesn't strike me. In fact, when you have seasons like that, that is a very usual expected result. That's not like drama, trauma, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? What it means is we have to actually have some conversations and just talk really bluntly about what some of the needs are and what's going on here at the church. It's an opportunity for us to do some more training and to help you understand and to do the things we need necessary to help you grow and have God's heart for the local church. Um, My desire would be in three to four months to go back to 70, 30. And again, the 30, you always have to have space for the people who are searching, for the people who are visiting, for the people who are not Christians, for the people trying to figure stuff out, for the overwhelmed. Like that's the group you always want to make space for. And and you don't want to be judgmental to them because judgmentalism doesn't make anybody's spiritual progress move faster. Amen on that, right? There's a tenderness that we have to that. And so um, I'm coming before you now to say, yeah, it's about 50-50. And we've got to shift this because there are massive needs, urgent needs that are going unmet in our body, which we'll get to at the end of the sermon. Now, there are a couple observations on these numbers. Here's the first observation. In 2019, we watched people who historically served pull back, and they believed a lie. The lie is this. More people equals more workers. Is that true? No. More people equals less workers, greater need, more responsibility and burden put on the people who are already working. Second observation. In 2019, we watched many people from other churches understandably hesitate to jump in. Um, One of the really most common um, pieces of feedback for hesitation, which I appreciated the sentiment and the heart on this, was I know there's a lot of us and we don't want to like take over. And so I have great news for you. Um, The DNA of Village Church is strong and secure, and there'll have to be a lot more people to compromise who we truly are. I've actually appreciated the spirit and the humility. Um, The vast majority, in fact, I can't think of one exception, so gracious, 100% of you, um, don't want to actually make Village Church like the church you came from. In fact, if you did, you probably wouldn't be here. You'd be there, but you're not. And so there actually is a lot of grace, and I appreciate that. But um, I just want to encourage you and to say, we can handle you. Um, And I don't think the identity of who we are is even close to being compromised. Observation number three in 2019, we watched hurting people from other churches make Village Church their home and jump in and see God move. And I just want to acknowledge you and just say, number one, super proud of you. I know how gut-wrenching that was for many of you. All the instincts to protect yourself were saying, no, don't do it. You overcame, and you have made an incredible, incredible difference here at the Village Church. Observation number four. In 2018, we watched people church shopping, and they just don't know what to do. 
And I don't mean that as condemnation. Like you almost feel like you've been spun around 20 times and you're just trying to figure out how to land. And, and uh, I don't surmise or, or presuppose for a moment that Village Church is or is not the place where God wants you. Uh, but I can just tell you, we are committed to helping you figure out what that next step is. I'd put you in the 20%. I would say, give yourself a lot of grace, but don't forget in the process of being really dizzy, God's heart for you and the local church. I want to put this quote up here on the screen so you can just kind of see this with me. It's an encouragement for you. It goes like this. In each season of life, um, go back to the next one. In each season of life, God has designed both your body and your soul for a job (laughs) that you would love most of the time, right? Let's be honest. Spiritual work, physical work. If you do something you love, are there going to be times when you just drives you nuts, you know, ah, right? Yes. Just because spiritual work drives you up a wall sometimes does not mean it's not good or God's will. And that would bear spiritual fruit inevitably. Uh, The hard thing about spiritual fruit is that it's like invisible. It's not like real fruit where you can take it and bite it and eat it and savor the flavor. Sometimes you get to watch fruit in people's lives and you see it tangibly. But most of the time, the kind of spiritual fruit that is helpful to measure, it takes a long time to grow. You plant the seeds, you water it, and it just takes that time. And, and so spiritual ministry is sometimes challenging because you can't see the payoff right away. Uh, I want to focus your attention on the first couple words in each season of life because every season I have found, the Lord has typically something different for us in mind. I'll share with you like my, my job, if you will. So my job and my ministry go hand in hand. About every three, four, five, six months, my job, about 40% of it, sometimes more, just changes. What I do, what my day-to-day responsibilities are, as things change around us, my job kind of has to shift and flex. In fact, all of our staff have been very, very flexible in terms of what they're doing from season to season. As the church changes, as it grows, as it experiences growing pains, like you may find you're leading But the next season of ministry is going to require something very different from you. So, in fact, we're so passionate about this very principle that every leader in our church gets gets trained in the following uh, uh, subject matter. Succession training. Uh, We train everybody in succession, and we tell everybody this. You are an interim leader. Everyone is. I'm an interim pastor. Everyone is an interim leader. And one day, God will say, no longer you. You go over here. I'm going to bring somebody else into this position. And so what we do is we hold every single ministry opportunity that we have. God bless you. God bless you very much. We hold every single opportunity with open hands. And we just say, God, you may want me in this for six months, six years, six days. I don't know what it is, but I put this before you. And when you're ready to move somebody else into this position, I'm willing to go wherever you send me. So we find as people come in and they they become ministry directors and they're a ministry director for a year or two and the Lord raises somebody else up and they take a different leadership position in the church. Um, But we hold our ministries very loosely. Different seasons require flexibility with what the Lord might be wanting for us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, Paul has a lot to say on, on being, being a body part and being a part of a local church. He says, For we are his, God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let me just practically tell you what this means. Every follower of Christ not just every local church, not every follower of Christ. God has a vision for your life. He has work for you to do. Good work. He has ministry designed specifically 
for you. And your local church or the people you serve need you to be who God has made you to be. Observation number two. Despite how our work will change in seasons of life, the Christian never retires from spiritual work. All right, give me an amen, right? Yeah? All right, there's like a bunch of you in the room. You're about to retire. You did retire. And this is the conversation I've been having with you. So can I hire you for free without pay? Like 20 hours a week, 30 hours a week, right? Like there's a bunch of you, by the way, who are already working for free 20, 30 plus hours a week at the Village Church, and you just make this place run. But there are a handful of you that are retiring, right? And what I want to say to you is, hey, we got a lot of needs, and I'm ready to not pay you for a job. If you <laughs> are ready to jump in and serve, I'll give you a job description. We'll do whatever we can, and uh, it'll be amazing. Uh, verse 13, here's what he says. Until, so we are to equip, we are to work with people as leaders until we all attain to the unity of the faith, of the, nature, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So here's how long the work of ministry is going to happen in your life. Ready? Until you're dead. Anybody here? I just want to know. Raise your hand if you have attained to the unity of the faith. Anyone? Okay, good. Um, how about full knowledge of the Son of God? Anybody? Mature manhood? Anybody? Anybody? Mature womanhood, how's that? Let's go both ways, right? Anybody got there? How's this? Can anybody say, I am mature to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ? Anybody ready to get up here? And like, anybody? No one? No one? What does this tell you? The work of the ministry happens until you're dead or Jesus comes back. Now, the seasons of life, your physical abilities, they're going to change what you are and are not able to do. But the work of the ministry is always ever-present and needed. Uh, God's will and heart for every follower of Christ is spiritual ministry in a local church. Number three, there are always real and measurable consequences of neglecting your spiritual work. I want to talk negatively and then positively. So uh, I have watched this um, so often, and I want to make sure we all kind of share some similar vocabulary on the subject. For every single person who neglects their spiritual work, and I want you to hear me. If you're a follower of Christ, you have spiritual work. Are we here? We're good? For every person who neglects their spiritual work, someone has to work overtime. And I want to tell you, there are a lot of people working overtime at Village Church freely, willingly, joyfully, and they're waiting for you and the Spirit to do some work and for you to jump in. But every, every single time we abdicate our responsibility, someone has to work overtime. Some people double time, some triple time. And I want, to, I want you to hear me. The people working overtime aren't frustrated about it. Some get frustrated, right? But they're waiting. And when the people of God step up, and meet some of those needs, it actually does. Every time somebody steps into something, it provides immediate relief to somebody on the ground. So here's what happens. One person works overtime. Their margin diminishes. The leaders, the workers are stressed. So when big needs come up, people go uncared for. That's just the, that's the logic of it. 
when the entire local church is being the body part that they were designed to be, you will see a local church work unbelievably. Now, here's the irony. Are we ever going to be like perfectly working as the body? No, but it's something we attain to. And we take personal responsibility as we self-evaluate and say, okay, God, uh, am I doing what you asked me to do? And then we go back to the Lord on a regular basis with every season and say, is this still what you want me to do? So let's talk about these consequences. There's four of them. Consequence number one, people will fall through the cracks. Verse 14 says this, so that we may no longer be children tossed. Here's the consequence when you don't do your spiritual ministry. Someone, somewhere is not going to be served, protected, or cared for in the way that they needed to be. And so here's what, here's what Paul is saying. The apostles, the leaders, the pastors, the teachers, our job is to equip. Like, if I didn't preach on this, you should be rebuking me. Like, one of my jobs is to equip the saints and to give you what you need for the work of ministry. I have to do that. That is my joy. So we got to preach on this stuff, right? But then what happens is, is this. Um, you guys work, and the body's needs are met. But what happens when we don't work is that some of the body's needs go unmet. There are new believers, there are immature believers, who aren't going to be cared for in the way they need to be cared for, because the person God designed to care for them hasn't stepped up and the other people who are caring have reached their limit. And so here's what happens. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Like, I, I got to tell you, if I had like 50 more mentors, oh my goodness, like we could, and, and then we, we could do so much with younger, immature Christians. But it's not uncommon that we find somebody like, I need to be mentored and it is hard to find someone to mentor them who's not already mentoring a handful of other people. Here's a consequence number two. Um, your spiritual maturity will slow down. He says this, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. We're to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. He's talking about as you're working, as you're doing your spiritual ministry, it has a profound effect on our spiritual growth. Conversely, when we ignore it, what happens? Spiritual atrophy and regression. Like uh, some people think that just because they've matured to a certain point, that regression isn't possible. That is an assumption that your maturity is based on your knowledge and ability to execute the philosophy of a ministry. Okay? But maturity is way more than knowledge or wisdom in how to run an organization or ministry. You can be an incredibly wise person, but regress to a spiritual child in your relationship with God. And so here's what he says. There's something happens here. Like you grow spiritually, but when you neglect your personal spiritual ministry, there's a regression. Consequence number three, your, your God assigned a local church body will not reach its potential. Verse 16 says, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly. You can begin to see the negative side of these as we go through here. Number four, consequence four, your local church's love will diminish. And it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Like your personal work of ministry has a positive effect, but your abdication of it has a converse negative effect as well. Let's go to number four, because this is a little bit more exciting. Certain promises, certain what could be's, are awaiting those who jump in. I want to just look at the same consequences, but I want to look at them from the perspective of the positive side. What could be number one? The spiritually vulnerable are protected. 
What could be number two? Your Christ-likeness is accelerated. What could be number three? Your God-assigned local church will bear more kingdom fruit. What could be number four? True, sacrificial, compelling love explodes. Here's what I want to do. I want to go to our so what's. And here is our first so what. Jump in. I know it says number two. It's supposed to say number one. Meyer. Jump in. So we said we're going to make a big ask, and here's our ask. Jump in. Now, I want to invite our ushers in a moment. They're going to come forward, and what they're going to do is they're going to, I know they're like, wait a minute, I'm an usher. They're out in the hallway, but they're going to actually start handing these out to you. And there are two um, sides to this, and the first side says, serve the Lord, um, urgent needs, and the other side says, serving the Lord, available opportunities. So I think they're scrambling to get them now, but I'm going to keep talking and I'm going to show you something. And I want to do a little, go on a little digital journey with you. I'm going to show you my phone and we're going to, we're going to go on a little fun adventure. Ready? Now the question is, how long will it take for me to get on the right thing? How patient are you? There we go. Guys, it won't let me connect to the staff room. What do I do? Are you guys trying to get online? Don't do that. And don't text me right now. That will not be... That won't be helpful in any way, shape, or form. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Josh or somebody in the back. Well, um, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to start reading through these. And ushers, can you guys come forward and start handing these out? That would be excellent. Hey, Mark, you want to come over and grab my phone? And I believe in the power of, well, Josh. Hey, guys, this is Josh. Yay, Josh is, uh, there you go. Good luck. Josh is our comms director, and Josh's job is to make um, comms easy. There we go. Thank you, Josh. It worked in the 9 a.m. flawlessly, by the way. Like, literally, it was so easy, and I'm like, why? Anyways, if you have to reset my phone, Josh, you can do that, and then I'll tell everybody my passcode to my phone. All right, so I want to go through this, and I want to show you some of the urgent needs in our church. The reason these are urgent is because there has been um, a handful of really pressing things that have come up, and we have not really had the volunteers to take them on and to meet the needs. And so we'll start. Did you get it? Oh, hi, Michael. Cool. I gained some weight. Okay. Um, Look at that. Guys, isn't that so good? All right. So um, I'm going to pause. You guys are getting this. I'm going to pause on that. And uh, welcome to my phone. And now you can see what's important to me. I say your home screen is like a window to your soul. Um, So some of you are going to take pictures and look up all these apps. What are they? I don't know. Um, But uh, number six, or not number six, that's how many emails I have on red. Um, If you look at the bottom, you see that V, it's the hub. The hub is vcob.org forward slash hub. Um, If you're new to the church, what you're going to do is go to our normal website, vcob.org. But if you're like a part of the church, regular attendee, you want to sign up for anything, the hub is kind of like your go-to place. And so the hub is something you want to save to your phone. Um, You can actually just save it as a little like icon like that. And so we press the hub and then voila, it takes us to the hub. And this 
website has everything that you would need to know what's going on, to connect, to sign up, to ask for help, you name it. Calendars, if you're new, media, sermon notes, serving a village, giving groups, ministries, etc. But I want to draw your attention to Together 2020. This is a page that uh, we made just for this series because what we want to do, oh, I got to turn it this way. Does that help everybody? Are wonderful. Because what we want to do is to make finding your work or your ministry or taking your next step as easy as humanly possible. Your heart and your life are already going to give you enough difficulty in trying to step into the ministry God has for you. As a church, we want to serve you and make this as simple as possible. And so when you uh, click on Together 2020, it brings you to this page. And here is our big ask. Our big ask is jump in. And for some of you, before you jump in, you have to interrogate a leader in our church. And I want to just invite that. Um, The questions that you guys, I'm going to try not to make you all puke. Um, The questions that you guys have asked um, over the last couple years especially have been incredible. And I want to just empower you to ask the hard questions. Tell us about your debt. Tell us about your vision. Tell us about your, your scandals. Tell us what you think about LGBTQ issues. Tell us what you think about, you name the issue that is important to you. Okay, we invite you to sit down with any of our leaders and to ask us. So here's what happens. You click this, and it brings you to an email to Nikki Jones, who is our connections director at the Village Church. And Nikki would love to meet with you or help you set up a meeting with another leader in the church. Now, I'm going to delete this because I know Nikki, and I feel like I know what to do next at this church. Um, Next is what we call our urgent needs, and that's what is right in front of you in the sheet of paper. And so the first urgent need that we have is for community group leaders, particularly leaders who have a heart um, to see people grow in community at the Village Church. Um, We actually need two community group leader couples, and particularly, especially, one on Monday nights. So on Monday nights, we have Awana, which means families with young kids. They put their kids in Awana, and then they meet together in community groups. Uh, Preferably, ideally, it would be somebody who has uh, a home that is five to ten minutes away from the church at the most, or if your home is further away, we can try to find a host home. So some of you, um, you may not be in a community group, but you're willing, and you live within five to ten minutes of Village Church. And so we're praying that God would raise up at least two more community group couples. And then we need another couple um, who can be a leader throughout the week. And then probably by the fall, we're going to need to start four or five or six new community groups. So this need is only going to be growing and getting bigger. Village kids, uh, especially 11 a.m. service volunteers, can you tell that there are a ton of needs in Village kids? Um, We have a ton of kids back there, and we are always under-resourced. And so here's some of the needs that we have. A four- to five-year-old lead teacher, two- to three-year-old helper, elementary helpers, nursery caregiver, special ed, one-on-one helper, technology assistant. And uh, so the um, joy of working in kids' ministry is you attend a service, and you serve a service. Attend one, serve one. And so you're here a bit longer, but there are a ton of us who are here Uh, for about five or six hours on a Sunday morning. We're only asking for about two and a half to three. But the ministry needs are tangible and real. There are a lot of people working overtime to do these. Um, We also are going to be launching our facilities revamp. And so some of you need to sign up. We have some some specific needs here for volunteers for construction work, drywall framing, heavy lifting. We need one plumber and one electrician. And so what you can actually do is you can go on, you can actually hit meet an urgent need, and you can sign up directly on the page. Um, to meet that urgent need. And I believe that my website or my click is going to work. It's frozen. What did you do? Anyways, I blame you all. Um, You're all like jumping online all at once. And uh, now I want to keep going. 
This page might leave us in a minute. Um, We have created an entire serve page just for you guys. And so when I click on serving opportunities, um, in theory, what is supposed to happen when the internet works is there is every single ministry is listed there. There's a description of the ministry needs within that ministry. And then you can actually sign up real time right there. So you can look through this. Everything on the urgent list, by the way, is also on the serving page. We put it in a couple different places so that you can see it. Oh, man. Oh, guys, this, all right, well, all right, we'll keep going. I just won't click on anything. Um, Follow Jesus is a class I'm teaching in two weeks at 1230, and this is a class that's all about getting to know the heart of Jesus, the things that were the most important to him for those who really wanted to follow him. And some of you may be newer to the faith. You may not even be a Christian. Some of you are just like, I need to get back down to like what really motivated my Savior, and it's a time to really evaluate where our heart is and where his is and look at taking some next steps there. But that might just be a next step for you to take to grow in your walk with the Lord. Um, some of you need to be baptized. Um, you've never trusted, or you've trusted in Christ, but you have never taken the step of obedience. And then guess what? There's an opportunity for you to sign up for the class and uh, this opportunity for us to make sure you know the gospel, you've trusted in Christ. We help you write out your testimony. It's a really incredible next step. Um, Meet Village Church is our four-week membership class, and this starts on January 26th as well during the 11 a.m. service. And so what you do is you go to the 11 a.m. You go to the 9 a.m. service, you hang out for a bit, and then you join our four-week membership class. I know four weeks is so long, guys. It's just like the burden is real. You you know, no, I'm kidding. That's a joke. Um, Because you go through the class doesn't mean you become a member. Um, Some people go through this class just to really get to know uh, the church a little bit. Um, I love this picture. This is actually the ladies of our community group, and we had Christmas pajama night at our Christmas party. Um, funny picture, but um, join a community group, and uh, you can click on this link, find a group. It'll take you also to Nikki Jones, who will help connect you uh, anywhere that she can. Her job and her team, their job is to serve you and help make our end of this as easy as humanly possible. Again, your heart and your, your context and your life and your schedule are already going to make jumping in hard enough. And so our desire is just to serve you and to help you take whatever the next step is as practically and tangibly as possible. I wonder what happens when I hit click, when I click find a group. Nothing really. Now, um, <laughs> I think my phone is frozen. I think we have tested the limits of our technological innovation. And then uh, I'll show you one other thing here on my phone. Uh, on my homepage, you can download this. Oh, Michael Perry texted me. Good to know. Um, whoops. You can, um, I said don't text me. Um, uh, These are just uh, uh, screensavers that you can uh, download. So every time I open up my phone this week, um, it said pray, and now it says jump in. And just to remind me to pray, God, what is your next step for me? Uh, Even though I'm the lead pastor, I'm regularly submitting my schedule, my life, and my ministry uh, before the Lord and asking him to show me what he wants for my life and my ministry. Now, on the back side of this sheet of paper, is all the available opportunities. What does this tell you? There are lots of needs. Um, There are a lot of things to be done. And uh, I just want to encourage you to look through this and pray over this and ask the Lord if there is a next step that he wants you to take. Um, You can see a lot of this is about reaching out and to children and to our community. We have some awesome needs there. Um, I want to come back to the foyer revamp because we've talked about this in congregational meetings and emails, and I've talked about this up front. Um, What we're basically going to be doing is knocking out... um, 
um, the wall um, where the office is, taking all of that out, moving that to a different location of the building, and creating more space because it is super, super duper congested in there. And uh, we're going to be doing that, I believe, Matt Souls, what's the date on that? February 1st. Um, so if you have February 1st, and then again, just go on there and sign up. So like we don't need 500 people, but we do need specific kinds of people who can go in and do that. So maybe you're somebody who just likes to break walls, or if you are that plumber or that electrician, we would just absolutely love your help. Uh, so my goal in this is just to encourage you and to make all this as easy as possible. And so here's what I want to just share with you. If there is anything that we can do to help you, And Village may not even be it. I happen to know most of the pastors in the area. I would just love to help you find where God has called you to be. Because in your pursuit of spiritual work in a local church is life. You bless the body that he's called you to be. Spiritual fruit happens. Love grows. Like these are the things that we just want to see for every single person who claims the name of Jesus Christ. So, um, do you guys enjoy awkward? I love it. Thank you. All the introverts are like, yeah, no, thank you. Um, prepare, prepare your heart for awkwardness. Um, our big ask is jump in. That's our big ask. But, um, what we usually do at the end of the service is we celebrate communion together and we're going to just do something a little different. Um, we are going to spend some time praying together. Now I want to tell you a little short story. When I was uh, 19, 20 years old, I found myself having to pray in small groups of people. And do you know what happened inside of my body? Sweating, quivering voice. I think some of the most embarrassing moments of my life are when I was asked to pray in small groups of people. And I wish somebody would have said to me what I'm about to tell you. We're going to break up into a couple groups of like four to six people, but you don't have to touch anyone Half of you are sick and not telling anybody anyways, right? Nor do you have to say anything at all. Um, But what you are able to do is pray in your mind. Some of you, right, you're fine praying. And I want to invite you, when we break up, I'm going to ask you to pray for some very specific things. But I want to invite you to pray. I want to invite you to just go before the Lord and ask him for help. But um, don't hold hands. Don't put your arms around each other. That's weird if you don't know the people. Um, What you can do is just before you pray, um, just tell everybody your first name. That's about it. And then you can close your eyes or however you pray. If you pray with open eyes, it's always weird, but do it anyways. Um, so we're going to take a few minutes. Um, and uh, I want to ask, number one, would you pray for those newer to the faith? For wisdom and courage. It's really hard. I mean, when you, when you come to faith in Christ, it affects your marriage your children, your parents, everything. Uh, and so it's, there's a lot of wisdom that needs to be had, especially when people think about their spiritual ministry because behind every person who comes to faith who's married is a spouse who doesn't know what to do with all of it. Our kids who are confused by it. And so we want to pray for them that you, they would have wisdom so that they love their families really, really well. We don't ever want the church to take over obedience to loving your spouse and your family. Like those are first things first, Right. Uh, but that's a very real experience. So I want to pray for people who are in those circumstances, wisdom and courage. Number two, I want to pray for the hurt and hesitant because of the nature of what's happened in this area over the last couple of years. Um, we, understand, uh, we understand that, but for healing, real healing, not just superficial shoving under the rug, but real healing. 
but also for boldness because oftentimes the way to heal and to overcome is to lean into the thing you're most scared of. And so pray for that. And then finally, for those who are being called to something new, for clarity and empowerment. There are people who are happy, clappy, doing ministry. They're like, I want to do this forever. And yet the spirit may begin to nudge them to shift because he wants somebody else to do what they're doing. And he wants them to be doing something else. And so just that sensitivity to the spirit uh, in terms of what he would want for, for each one of us. So awkward is awesome. Tell people your first name and then you don't have to say a single word or you can pray. I'm going to take, it'll be about 45 minutes of letting you pray. I'm kidding. <laughs> just kidding. You're going to be fine. You're like, I'm so hungry. Kill me now. I know. I know. Preach too long, Michael. I know. I know. Every week, it's the same thing. So break up um, and pray, and I'll come up in a couple minutes, and then uh, we'll sing one last song together, and then we will depart. Let's pray together.